Hi, I'm Nina Samuels, and apparently you have nothing better to do with your time, so you are listening to the Holy Shoot podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Holy Shoot Podcast, a podcast that is all about the amazing world of professional wrestling. This week we have a break from the Holy Shoot Wrestling Challenge to present the latest in our series of Holy Shoot interviews, where I, your host for today Jason, get to chat to the interesting people involved in the grassroots of wrestling. This week I am joined by James Musselwhite. You may not know his name, but I bet you've seen his work. James also known as Y2JimBob on social media, is a professional photographer who has taken some of the most amazing pictures of wrestlers that you've ever seen. You know those badass photos of Tony Storm, Jimmy Havoc, Marty Skoll, Will Ospreay and Adam Cole, baby. But you've seen online that stand out above the rest. James took those and many more. You can check him out on social media on Y2JimBob, but you can also head to portraitofarrestler.com to see his portfolio and actually pick up some rather rare and cool signed items from some of those names. Before we go into his photography though, we went in depth on his work alongside the product David Starr to form We The Independent. This is something really important that all wrestling fans should care about, as We The Independent are working to improve the rights and support for professional wrestlers. It's actually amazing how little protection wrestlers are getting due to their unique status as both sports people and entertainers, but also being neither. We the Independent are helping wrestlers to get union coverage, and we all know unions have never existed in the wrestling world before, so they deserve your attention right now. I chat to James about what's next for We the Independent, how he got into his wrestling photography, and who the best guys have been to work with as well as some insight on how important a fully developed character is, not just in the ring, but also when having your picture taken. That follows right now. So now I'm joined by James Musselwhite from both WeTheIndependent.com and PortraitOfAWrestler.com. James, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm getting by. It is a lovely sunny day. I want to be outside cycling, but I want to do this interview even more, I think. so. Well, that's very kind of you to say so. This is the <laughs> ideal day to do. You should do a cycling interview. You should mic both people up as they're cycling on a sunny day and see if you can sort of ask questions whilst also uh, maintaining the highway code. I think that would be a good podcast. I think working out how you contra- like counter the wind noise and resistance as well and like how to cover the gear up, that would be a great challenge to do. It'd be a good challenge to do, wouldn't it? Like I that. remember, well, back in the day, I used to listen to, this was, I'm talking about 15 years ago, I used to listen to one of the very first running podcasts and it was just a bloke, a local bloke, I think he was down in Kent, and he would just interview himself while he was running. <laughs> that was the podcast you'd hear everything every breath everything and there was no noise cancellation but because it was the only running podcast at the time I, I had I forced myself to listen to it there are a lot better ones now obviously <laughs> but bless him I enjoyed it oh cool okay so James do you want to 
Do you want to do a quick, who are you? It's always nice to like know who I'm talking to. I will have explained a bit more, but it's good to get in your views. Why, why am I talking to you today? Why are you talking to yeah, me? Good yeah. question. Well, I'm a, I'm a professional, uh, career-wise, I'm a professional photographer who takes, uh, specialises in images of professional wrestlers. And I've shot uh, lots of different wrestlers uh, in lots of different companies and in lots of different, different countries around the world, I suppose. And I think we try with Portrait of a Wrestler to not just turn up with a backdrop and do promo pictures, although the next shoot I'm doing this afternoon is exactly that, um, <laughs> because someone needs some new promo pictures for promo and match cards and things like that. But what we try, what makes Portrait of a Wrestler different is that we'll try and bring in elements of um, uh, classical photography um, and storytelling to actually create a narrative within the picture. So they're not just, you know, pictures of wrestlers screaming at the camera. Uh, we try and when we when we do it to the highest level that we possibly can, we try and take their characters on a little bit further. And we've just moved into doing a lot more video in the last 12 months, which I'm really enjoying the challenge of. I'm enjoying the challenge of script editing and directing and producing uh, video content um, for for wrestlers, which is giving you even giving me even more creativity um and another sort of string to our bow i suppose and uh in the last i guess three to four months i've helped david Starr set up we the independent um which is a movement that has just it's just got a rocket to it at the moment it feels like um it feels like it's really struck a chord with fans and with wrestlers alike and the, it's it's like a it's a weird thing that the, the the more we scratch the surface the digger we deep the more we find and the more we uncover with it and it's a real fascinating project for me to get involved with because both david and i are quite well david certainly is very politically led um i think i i like to think i have sort of like an interest in it i suppose uh, but i'm not a mad obsessive <laughs> like david would uh, like like you might think that david is but i think we both have a, a very firm fundamental interest in the fundamentals of politics and i think we're using that um to maybe generate sort of interest and support in in helping professional wrestling great summary there um mm. we'll come back to portrait of a wrestler because it's your your photography work is amazing i definitely want to talk about it but i thought if we start with we the independent um mm. yeah so I mean, I, I've been a fan of both your photography and then been a fan of David Starr for a while. So it's been watching this sort of evolve and now this has become quite a big thing, really. Um, I mean, the way I, the way I look at We The Independent, it's just trying to help wrestlers get better rights and actual, I guess, insurance and protection for all the work they're doing. Um, I mean, is that, is that a fair summary? I mean, how would you, what's your one line say, sell on what you guys are trying to do? <laughs> it's the same line that David reiterates, I suppose. It's we're providing freedom of protection for, for independent artists through uh, membership to equity, which is like a trade union um, for performance artists. Um, ultimately, what we're trying to do is, if we bring it back to maybe my photography, when I first went self-employed in photography, I joined an association of photographers um, that represent photographers around this country and internationally. And essentially what my small fee every month does with that photography association is it provides me with legal advice, it provides me with support, provides me with mentoring, provides me with help, and just basically a community of other photographers to go in to seek advice um, on specific issues. I've only had to call upon the legal support twice, 
but it's certainly been cheaper for me to pay my monthly subscription and call upon that legal support than it would be for me to find a private lawyer um, to settle sort of contract disputes and things like that. Um, and ultimately, it makes it makes me it forces me to be a more professional photographer. Um, forces me to conduct myself in a more, more professional way. And we think that wrestling is it's, it's it falls into this it, it's it's historically fallen into this weird gray area the wrestlers have always been able to get trade union support but not not the same level of support as actors because they don't fall into the category of actors uh, nor do they fall into the category of sports people in terms of like joining and memberships and insurance and things so the sports insurance for, if you take something as simple as as uh, as injury insurance when equity are working with their sports insurers, the sports insurers wouldn't um, wouldn't cover wrestlers because they said it's not support they're acting. And when they went to their acting insurance, they said, no, we're not going to cover them because they're not acting as a sport. So they had this weird gray area where wrestlers, they could join up to equity, but they wouldn't receive that benefit. Now, in the first month of We The Independent being set up, um, we had such momentum behind it that equity could go to their insurers, go to their insurance underwriters and get them to change that policy. And that article, I think, was ran in either The Guardian or The Times last week that, that wrestlers are now officially classified as actors rather than sports people. And that's super important in terms of insurance. So for the £10 a month that a wrestler could pay to become a member of this trade union, they are now eligible to, for that personal injury insurance. So if they are injured, um, at work on the way to work or during a match at work, uh, they get um, a small payout every week that they are injured, um, which will help. It's, it's, it's not a massive amount. It's just over £100 a week, but it's enough to maybe cover someone's rent and just to give you a little bit of a safety net. Um, so we see constantly wrestlers um, being injured and having GoFundMe set up for them. Um, and that's cool and that's wicked. And if you want to support your, you know, your favorite performer in that way, you can. But this is a way to maybe move to a more professional status where uh, wrestlers are sort of self-supporting, if that makes sense. Um, and by working with equity, um, it allows us um, to sort of form a stronger group of wrestlers, I suppose, who are sort of united together. Yeah, and I think the subject, I guess, of unions, is, it goes back a long way in the world of wrestling. And we can go back to the classic sort of Jetty Ventura trying to do it in WWF back in the 80s, or I think it was the 80s. And it's a, it's a big thing. It sounds so important what just happened. Yeah. And it's more that, the UK scene than anybody. It's just anywhere to see this happen. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is just it's it's just a fundamental right of 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 the performers to be protected and to have assistance and to not be uh mishandled or misrepresented by sort of like the people that are paying them to perform um it, we we did uh we did a podcast with um shazam mckenzie the australian um wrestler um recently where she was discussing some of her experiences with regards to me too and with regards to um being mistreated sort of back, backstage and um it's another service that equity can provide equity provide uh, a phone line that you can call at any time to get support if anything like that has happened to you, if you are a victim of harassment, they have a support line that will tell you how to deal with it and where to go forward and provide you with support to deal with it as well. Um, so rather than, it just gives performers a platform to not feel the need to be silent, uh, not feel the need to start a Twitter war about it or start, you know, 
talking about these things on social media or making people aware of it but not naming anyone for fear of naming anyone or even just for like legal advice it's actually a support it's a, it's, a, it's a helpline for you to go to so you can get you right and proper support on how to deal with these issues moving forward we don't want like we don't we want everything to be more professional so something if i take if i take the me too movement it kind of came and went it's still here like people are still way more heightened and way more aware of it but it kind of came and went and we want we want the support and the, the procedure and support to be there all the time for these artists welfare sort of moving forward it's ultimately as well like we said at the start of the movement as well we really wanted to concentrate on succeeding in um goals of low-hanging fruit we called it which is essentially setting yourself a very very simple goal to achieve really early on say hey we did that um and our goal for low-hanging fruit was to get every promoter in the country to guarantee that they would provide water for their talent backstage which doesn't seem like a massive thing um but we achieved that we got several promotions contacting us asking us how they can how they can help and how they can sign up to that we've had promotions now regularly providing food and water and protein and everything for their for their uh, artists backstage and it's just that sort of minimum requirement um of, of what you should expect as a performer and we don't want these horror stories of you know like performers not being picked up at the airport or not being told where they're going to stay or being forced to share a room with someone that they weren't aware of and all these little things that outside of wrestling you would think are completely un incomprehensible yeah. the, the the so like the, the conception of the movement for me and i can't speak on behalf of david but for me when i when i saw that john oliver piece where i spoke about the conditions of um ww performers being independent contractors and not contract talent and not being afforded the same benefits as their accountants and as their office staff that for me because that just lit a fire in me because like as soon as you show that to anyone outside of the wrestling industry, they're, they're appalled by it. You show that to anyone like us who are aware of the wrestling mm. industry and the way it works. When we saw that John Oliver piece, we just sort of went, well, yeah, that's how it is. And it's not until I showed it to like my wife or to, to other people and they just went, that, really? They don't get, they don't get healthcare. They don't get And you're like, no, they, no, but that's wrestling. It's like, well, why is that different? And by, you know, by little things like changing that equity dynamic within within the trade union equity, whereby wrestlers are now actors, not just wrestlers. It means that this business is no longer undermined and it means that they're on the same level as everyone else. And if they're on the same level as everyone else, they should expect the same terms and conditions of everyone else across the sort of entertainment industry. And um, I mean, just taking it back as the step, everything you just said there, I mean, I remember because I've been listening to the podcast you guys have done. And again, you can get these if you go to the wetheindependent.com site. There's some great chats with you and David Starr. And I think mm. everyone listening to this probably knows who David Starr is. If you don't, you know, he's the product. He's the Jewish canon. He's <laughs> your coffee. He's very good at Twitter. He's a great guy. He's, like, you know, he's, he's really got a rocket on him at the minute in terms of on the indie scene. Yeah. And he was talking about this. And I thought... I can believe it when like you guys were saying, just having the basic thing of having water backstage for wrestlers. I was like, mm. no matter how small your independent wrestling show is, surely you supply water. But apparently not. <laughs> apparently not, yeah. And it's not about making promoters bankrupt or, you know, tightening the belts of it's just about basic conditions. And the fact of the matter is if you look after your talent, uh, your talent are more inclined to perform for you and to do a better job for you um and are more inclined to come back and, uh, and it, it just it just creates a better atmosphere overall you know 
It's just crazy. That, I mean, that's a great win. So now that all wrestlers get water. Um, when it comes to the equity thing, uh, and you said there's a lot of momentum behind it, which is help you get the insurance. Mm. I guess when we're talking about what kind of momentum are we talking about here? And then related to that, one of the ways you're hoping to fund this is from the merchandise you guys are making. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, so the if we bring it to we'll answer the question on merchandise first. The merchandise that we sell through our shop at independent.com forward slash shop um <laughs> which is going to which is going to increase over the next few months um a percentage of every piece of merchandise we sell goes directly to funding an independent performers equity membership so eventually and it's a slow drip process at the moment while we get contracts signed and while we get everything set up in place we will have a team of ambassadors who are going to be working within the professional wrestling scene who will be signed up to equity through the money that has been made from the merchandise sales and also from uh say for example the show that was put on up in sheffield recently the the benefit the, the money from that entirely goes towards funding equity memberships for these guys going forward um so it's, it's kind of unlike any other sort of merchandise store in professional wrestling at the moment i suppose there are there are certain ones that sponsor their athletes there are certain ones who will do special release t-shirts that will give a a, a proportion of their funds to charity i've sold prints through portrait of a wrestler where i've given the whole amount of money to like cavendish cancer care and to various charities just because you know it's just a nice thing to do you can guarantee that every piece of merchandise that you purchase through with the independent is going directly to funding equity memberships for these guys so i've spoken to some of these guys although it's only 10 pound a month 10 pound a month is still 10 pound a month we're still supposedly you know in austerity we're still <laughs> not to get too political but like the Tory, the last Tory government came in and said that they, the, the, sorry, the first recent Tory government came in after the last Labour government and said, hey, we need to tighten our belts because Labour overspent and we've had a massive recession. So now we need to implement austerity. Austerity has been going on for about 10 years and now we've got a hard Brexit on the horizon, which is going to make it even worse. So <laughs> I don't know when it's going to get better. Probably when we haven't got the Tories in power, I guess. I don't know. Um, so we... Um, so ultimately, that's that's where that's where that comes from, and that's where the support comes from, and the support network. And we believe that when we have the heads, when we have the ambassadors on brand, they'll have their own sort of like uh, specifically designed independent T-shirt, for which they will personally also receive a cut of the profit. So that won't just go towards their equity membership; that will just go directly to their pocket, and hopefully, will give them a wider because uh, the guys were looking to sponsor a, a young up-and-coming guys. You know, I'm not looking to sponsor guys you know, ultimately that we, we, we want to sponsor as many people as possible. But the guys that we really, really want to focus on are the new guys coming through, the new generation coming through. And we talk about the mo momentum of the movement going forward. The public perception and the public face of this movement is super important. Now, I appreciate there's going to be wrestling fans who just want to go to a wrestling show to be entertained. That's absolutely fine. Um, if you just want to get go to a wrestling show to forget about your politics and just be entertained by the by the by the by the action in the ring and the stories that are being told and the wins and the losses, that's absolutely fine. But we're still going to be making our message publicly aware, because it's only by making messages public aware and changing public perception and changing public trends do men in suits behind closed doors make difficult decisions. Men in suits behind closed doors of capitalist companies do not make decisions just out of the goodness of their heart. That means that they make less money. They make decisions that means they make less. That mean that they make less money, purely because of public trends and the way that the public perceive their product. And by in heart, by empowering the people, as we saw at David Starr's sort of super strong style win, where essentially you know 
everyone in that building wanted to see David Starr win the Progress Super Strong Star 16 tournament and take this movement further. And we're engaged by the movement and we're engaged by his promote by his promo at the end of the of the match uh, in the final against Jordan Devlin. That really sang to us in that, yeah, we've got people behind this. We've got a very forward-thinking, very progressive fan base in this country with regards to wrestling who are in tune with their politics, who are in tune with their issues and do want to see the welfare of wrestlers looked after going forward. That's fair. I I mean, no matter what you do, you'll get some dickheads in a wrestling crowd. But every time I've been to an event around London, it's really nice and quite, I guess, it seems obvious to say, but progressive Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of... I guess compared to when I've been to the wrestling in America and going to a WWE show, it can be very different when you yeah. get some of the indie scene we've got. It's amazing. One of the best, one of the best reactions I've ever seen to an entrance in a pro wrestling in a British pro wrestling ring in the last few years was when Zack Sabre Jr. entered a, a progress ring of, on day two of Super Strong Style wearing a Jeremy Corbyn t-shirt. It was just before that election, you know, where he sort yeah. of like he, he lost Theresa May seats. I mean, we we're engaged with that. I wasn't like I came from an age like there was a weird age in the 2000s, when people weren't engaged in politics, people say, people aren't engaged in politics. Well, they're not engaged in politics because you've got a centrist Labour government. You haven't got right and left. You've got a centrist Labour government under Tony Blair fighting a sort of centre-right Tory government-ish sort of thing, but it was a very, very weak government at the time. There's nothing to get excited about. There's nothing to get engaged about. We've almost gone too far just now, though, because ultimately, last election, who are we going to vote for? You know, Theresa May in one corner, Corbyn in the in the other a marxist against a hard writer she's not necessarily a hard writer but she represents a hard right party that's a difficult decision to make for anyone sort of like somewhere in the middle isn't it you know but that's the thing about social media and that's the thing about everything these days see that you either love or you hate that's almost what we've trained ourselves with social media you either like or you hate what is it like how many different reactions has facebook got to its posts is it like you're allowed five different reactions yeah of which four of them are positive yeah (laughs) like love so it's like really like <laughs> you know sad you know and all that you know it's, it's kind of you, and but what it does allow for is that it allows for discussion and it allows for clear distinctions so this generation coming through understands what a left-wing politician is and what a left-wing politician stands for they understand what a right-wing politician stands for and they also understand the nuances in between it's a fascinating time no. We've gone off into the world of politics. And we're sorry, about and sorry, my faces. apologies. My apologies. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it ties into this. This is why, yeah, the idea of, oh, you have a union that actually supports you. Can't you look after yourself? It's like, no, that's not what it's about <laughs> type thing, isn't it? And it's, that's well, you, yeah, you can look after yourself, but isn't it nice? Like, It's good to have that backup. Like, I refer you back to the first thing I said about me being a member of the of the photography associations. And I've only needed that legal assistance twice. Yeah. But the fact it was there meant I could use it, you know. And even if you simplify it, if, you've, if you're not in a union, just think about little things like if you've got insurance or simple thing, you've got pet insurance. I mean, I little thing like that. You pay that every month. Hopefully you'll never need it. But when mm-hmm. you do and you get thousands of pounds of support to like help you take care of an animal or a person you love, you actually appreciate it a bit more at that point. It was nice to have it and knew that it was like in your back pocket. It really was. And it's and it, it is about just sort of like this small group of like wrestlings in, in this country. When you actually when before we started up with the independent, I had to sort of like work out how many wrestlers there are in this country and then how many wrestlers there are in like the US and sort of like what our target market was, I suppose, in terms of reaching out. And uh, yeah, it's not when you compare it to like actors or singers or dancers, it's like a drop in the ocean. So there's no reason why 
you can't try and get everyone together because I think that's the sort of thing we've come up against. Is that I've, I've been told, I've never been told, like in my life, I'm really lucky. I've, I've very rarely been told that I can't do something. This movement, I've been told three or four times in the last couple of months, just been told you can't do it. Like you said, like you said, yeah. just a Ventura can do it. Well, I don't know the ins and outs of that. But like, just because you can't do something doesn't mean you can't try. And if you're trying for the right reasons, which we entirely are, um, we should try. And we owe it to ourselves and to the next generation and to the people currently working here to try. You have to try. Because if you don't try, you can't complain. You know? So I want to I ask you about the pushback from wrestlers or promotions on this, like you just talked about. But also, did you actually find out how many wrestlers are there? I want to know. Did you get <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get, I couldn't even get close. Honestly, I couldn't even get close to sort of working it out. All you could do is just look at, like, you had the Pro, Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. Yeah. And you, when you're in wrestling, you kind of know who those 500 are. So I suppose you could maybe quadruple that. Maybe. But then you've got trainees on top of that as well. You've got Japanese talent, you've got Mexican talent, you've got German talent. Then there's talent pop- popping up in Italy and Spain at the moment. Progress are about to do a show in Paris. So apparently there's French talent there as well. Yeah, that's interesting what they've done now. But that was, yeah, God, there's a lot going on then, yeah. There's a lot of wrestling. So, <laughs> a lot of wrestling. It, so, but, so what's it been like so far? I think you guys have made great progress, but any particular... I know you've been reaching out to all the promotions in the UK, UK trying to get them all to help get wrestlers on equity is there any sort of interesting pushback or feedback so far while you've been working on this for the past few months a lot of interest um a lot of interest in what we're doing everything's been from what i can see everything's been positive um in terms of the independent side of things and the independent artists that we're reaching out towards um i would i ultimately with this with the with the projects and what we're trying to do with it i can't see any reason to be negative or to push back against it you know i I genuinely can't even if you assign to say an nxt uk contract there's still benefits to being a member of a trade union um there's still benefits to having your contract looked over or any improvements to your contract looked over by a legal team and yeah. by a support team. And we should say this isn't just about like, okay, you're injured, you're covered. This is guaranteeing the things that you were promised you get in terms of you get picked up. You are getting paid this amount of money. You're getting a meal. If they are putting you in a hotel, you get all that in writing and equity makes mm. sure you can query that and follow up if you don't get it. Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it, 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 it's, just a, it's just a support sort of network. And I've seen, I can't talk about this publicly, obviously, but I've seen contracts for most, if not all, major promotions in the US and certainly ones this side of the Atlantic as well over the last three to four years. Because, I don't know, for whatever reason, wrestlers confide in me to look over these things. <laughs> you <laughs> feel like a remember... professional. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if they're a member of equity, they could just you know, use a professional. But I've seen them and I've seen terrible ones. Okay. I've seen quite good ones. But the most important thing is I've seen guys go backwards and forwards three or four times with them. And I've said, oh, maybe get that, get them to take that out and ask for something else here. And I've seen that happen. And I've seen the final contract that they've got. And it's come night and day from the first contract. So the biggest thing that we can, like, inform the next generation coming through is that is to negotiate. And to really look at the detail in your contracts and not just be blown away by the three or four letters at the top of the contract. 
that make you realize that you're you're not signing just to live your dream because you're signing for your future you're signing for your protection and you're signing to maximize the amount of money that you can potentially earn that's what you're signing so you should take you know you you should take that contract seriously and you should negotiate there's a wonderful scene in the u.s office i don't know if you've seen the u.s office with uh, I've seen a few episodes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys that's obsessed and watched every one, but I've oh. seen a few. Well, the the main guy in the office is Steve Carell's character, the main manager. He goes into a contract negotiation, and he says, and the the guy who's about to offer him uh, his his new sort of wage or salary says, "We're about to offer you." And Michael cuts him off, and he says, "Don't tell me your first offer. Tell me your second offer." And I goes, "What?" He says, and then he looks at his mate and he says, "Never accept the first offer." He always accept the second offer. So why don't we just skip to the second <laughs> offer straight away? Do you know what I mean? Because I know your first offer is going to be ridiculous. And then he shows him the second offer and he says, that's embarrassing. I don't even want to know what your first offer was. <laughs> so we're immediately on to the third offer. You know, but contracts are always a negotiation process. And there shouldn't be a fear about negotiation. There shouldn't be a fear about, um, oh, if, if I negotiate, they're going to think I'm hard to work with. No, that's not the case at all. They're just going to think you're professional. And they're going to have a higher value on you, you know, and they're going to have you're going to have a higher worth to them because if they're willing to negotiate with you and if they're willing to give into, you know, your demands, I suppose, in terms of a contract, then you're going to be in a stronger position. It's going to be a stronger relationship going forward. You know, it's about valuing yourself. Yeah. I mean, I mean I've been through a similar thing with like my partner and she's like when she was looking at just little things like changing jobs and when you get a job offer and it's like am I accepting that or am I how much can I push back and not feel because I think it's a British thing we feel very weird about talking about money oh <laughs> man. Way, so. well it's, it's the m-word I saw a billboard for that over the last couple of months it's the m-word it's like a difficult thing that people can't talk about we open up about cancer we open up about you know um, mental health issues now we open up about everything but I still I, st- I still can't talk about money. Yeah, I'm dreadful. I'm the worst. I'm preaching and I'm the, <laughs> the absolute worst, you know? But, um, you a lot in terms of your work as well, like your rates and making sure people are committing to paying you. So Every wedding I shoot is a negotiation. Every wedding I shoot is not about how good I am at taking pictures. That's the last thing because they can see that. Every wedding is about how much discount they can get or what they can get for their money. It's, 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 you know, it's not frustrating. It's just you've got to open yourself up to it. Um, being a freelancer myself, you know, I, I know all about, you know, that and having things written down early on so you know exactly what you're offering people as well. So, God, um, I want to sort of wrap up a couple of things talking about we sure. and then talk about your photography stuff as well. Like we just hinted at it there as well in terms of, you know, even photography for wrestling, it's not your day job. But, <laughs> no. And then you're also doing this thing, yeah, for, you know, for this equity stuff for we the independent. <laughs> uh, just question, um, I saw Eve uh, committing to they're going to get every one of their wrestlers you yes. know, having equity. Is that tied into you, the guys, what you guys are doing or is that them just going out and saying this is the right thing to do and the right time to do it? Uh, Eve can stand on their own two feet. That's that's Eve. That's all Eve. We um, it's just it's just kind of like a perfect storm of everything happening happening together. I think um, Emily and Dan, are, you know, that it's very easy to sort of like pinpoint where their political allegiances lie. Um, I don't think you have to <laughs> scratch too deep into the surface of Eve. Um, but I think the the progress and the statement they have made with that is huge. It's genuinely huge. Um, I think the only I think did. Did Stephen say this on his podcast about ITV Sport? 
and we're talking about the um, world of sports show that was on when that yes. was that was was that last year it's a while ago was it last year or the it year feels, before uh, it feels i don't know when the pilot was the pilot was christmas was it new year's eve one year yeah and then they did um, the one season they've yet to confirm if they're coming back but i remember you talked about this on the podcast and the fact that okay it's going to be on itv so in theory their talent that are on a tv show they need some sort of contract and i remember yeah you you, you talked this about is, it then this is what Stephen said off camera, you know, off, off podcast. He said, all the, everyone you can think of in world of sport, who's anyone in world of sport, had an equity contract back in the day. Mm. Because there was only four channels of TV, three in the early 80s. And they were, because they were, because they had a mainstream presence, they were doing pantomime. They were doing Saturday morning kids shows. They were doing game shows in the evening. They were everywhere. So they were entertainers. So they needed the equity contracts, yeah. you know. Um, so it's not like it's a new thing. And it should be. You know, like I said, it's, it's, it should be something that everyone should be taking on board, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, just to summarize, like, why this is, if we want to know more, I mean, say, I found that the, the podcast you guys are doing are really good. And I think the first two in particular goes into a lot about what you're trying to achieve. And if, if you don't want to get, if people think, oh, I just don't want to hear about unions, uh, I think episode two has a really good wrestling quiz at the end. So Thank you. you. You can take part in that as well, otherwise. David hates that. David hates my quizzes. He doesn't like them. He rolls really, his eyes. It's a really like good one. Them. You can, if you're listening to it, second half of the show, just play along because you can you can see how well you do against the guys on the show. See, I did it so you could play along. That's I right, did it. it deliberately so everyone could play along. People don't under, David doesn't understand this how technical that is. He just gets upset when he loses. <laughs> so yeah, but whatever. <laughs> um, well, people should definitely stay like on top of this. It's like you know, you guys are going to be in the news a bit more going forward in the coming months as well. There's, I say, there's a website, the podcast. There's cool merchandise going um, on. You know, like month one, we. Look, this is what I keep saying. This month one, month one, we didn't plan any of this. But month one, an insurance company got a hold of their underwriters and changed their insurance policy. Now, I used to work in insurance. I know how bloody difficult that is. In month one, we made that happen. In month one, we got a bunch of promotions to promise that they would provide proper food and water backstage for their um, for their wrestlers. That happened in month one. In month one, we opened up a merchandise store that secured enough funding for six professional wrestlers to be signed up to equity for the first year. And in month one, Six promotions got together and put on a show on our behalf, proceeds of which came to fund equity memberships up in Sheffield. And I believe that there's more on the way in regards to that. That was month one. That's what we achieved. Yeah, That's right. and it's, it's it utterly ridiculous, you know, in terms of like momentum and in terms of like making a change and making a difference. And there's a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff that we've been doing behind the scenes in private conversations that we've had with men in suits that we can't talk about right now. Sounds like it's going really good. Though. But when we can talk about it, you're going to hear about it. I can guarantee that. Okay. And I think, and if you want to just like, I think David Starr, I guess at the moment, is kind of the public face of this. And like, just talking about him, he's got he's got a great couple of um, events coming up, which hopefully even will raise the profile more, because I'm sure he'll be wearing his um, independent T-shirt when he headlines Rev Pro next week. So, I think mm. that, I think that's sold out now at York Core against um, Osprey for Summer Sizzler. Yeah. And then after that, he's got Volta. Uh, Ali Pali. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a massive show. So, I'm sure yeah, that's going to help with the momentum. Two big shop windows. Uh, Osprey's the. Uh, I just, I'm going to say it, Osprey's the greatest wrestler in the world right now. 
I'm conflicted about this match. I love both best. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, no. It's, but what what you do? I mean, the other thing about David as well, not only the promos that we're cutting with him at the moment, and the message we're cutting with him, and everything we're doing, top of his game. His matches at the top of the game as well at the moment. He is he is wrestling like he's never wrestled before. He's wrestling all the styles. He's wrestling all around the world. His his schedule at the moment is ridiculous. He's the hard you know like he's one of the hardest working men in pro wrestling right now, and he's you know just so active and uh, so it's just so he's tra- so transparent with who he is. Yeah. Like they always say, like the best wrestlers are the ones that are just themselves turned up to eleven, and that guy's turned up to two hundred. Yeah. You know, and it, what you see is what you get. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. If I'm just projecting it on him, but it feels like the we the independent like movement at the same time is really pushing him on, really giving him that that extra something. Yeah, it just like I said, it's the it's that dose of reality as well. Like I think it's Cody Rhodes who said, "We're uh, we're in the reality era now, and reality is reality." Like. So it's like the hokey stuff. We like the hokey stuff. You know, we like the jokey stuff. We like, the, we like being able to lose ourselves into it. But the real magic, the real grey area in wrestling, which is unique only to wrestling, are the bits where you're like, oh, shit, is that real? Did that, was that a real thing that really happened? You know, and I think that's where wrestling is so unique from everything else. You know, we still talk about the Montreal Screwdrop. Still. What more is there to say? Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to plug... I'm going to do the last wetheindependent.com. Check it out. And make sure everyone goes to that. Um, We'll take a short break and we will then talk about your other business, which is photography. Hey, you. If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it. Do it now. So this half of the show, I want to talk about Portrait of a Wrestler, because that's how I actually came to know you. Was I don't even know how it happened. It would have been one of my favourite wrestlers posting some amazing picture on Instagram. <laughs> and then it became a theme of, here's all these amazing pictures, and it's this one guy doing it. Um, and, I mean, there were some legendary ones. I mean, people will recognise maybe Marty Skull in the sea in his suit. Um, the, the, the English guys doing Clockwork Orange. A series <laughs> you've done with Jimmy Havoc, where he looks like a psychopath. <laughs> There's some really good ones in there. And yeah, like I say, I think we alluded to earlier, like taking photos of wrestlers isn't your day job. That's, the day job is the wedding photography and those kind of events. But how did you get into professional wrestling photography and how has that been going? I just needed to do a project that um, allowed me to apply for a photographic qualification. And it was, I was going for the highest qualification you can get in the UK. So I needed to do something different. And I was a wrestling fan and I spent eight months trying to contact wrestlers to shoot just for free, just said, oh, we just want to shoot you for free just to do this creative project. And in eight months, I got zero responses. Um, I just couldn't, because I didn't have anything to show them. I didn't, all I had was babies and weddings. <laughs> um, so trying to convince them as to what I, what I could do was, was a bit different, difficult. Um, and I eventually just um, turned up at a show in Portsmouth um, where I met the fearless flatliner and Andy Boy Simmons and um, showed them some of my work and then showed them some other work from Rob Schamberger, who's like a watercolor painter for WWE. He does these beautiful watercolors uh, for them. And I showed him, I showed them his work. (laughs) 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 I said, I want to do this, but, but with photography. Um, And they both said, yeah. And then I shot them too. And then it goes like this. I shot, I shot, 
Flatline, who introduced me to Andy at the show. Andy then had his shoot, introduced me to Marty Skull. Marty Skull introduced me to Doug Williams. Doug Williams introduced me to Daryl Allen, who's uh, tra- the trainer up in uh, Knuckle Locks. He introduced me to all the people in Knuckle Locks who introduced me to Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc introduced me to Progress and off to the races we went. That was it. It's basically just a case of just make sure when you're shooting them, I mean, they were getting free pictures, essentially. I think that's why they were recommending me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, when you're shooting them, making sure you're as professional as possible and just, you know, and making sure that they get to, that they recommend you to someone else. That's basically how, how the business began. Cool. And as I said, there's been some amazing photos you're doing there. And how are you fitting that around your actual day job? Because are you getting to travel much and do this? Because I don't know if you get abroad to take some of these ringside shots. Yeah, I used to travel quite a lot. Um I used to travel to regularly to sort of progress shows and to shows up in Nottingham for WrestleGate and anywhere and everywhere really. And it, I'm a I'm a father, I'm a husband and a father, so it's it's kind of become a bit difficult just recently to sort of justify the time away. So essentially, I was just sort of treating it as like my little day away. Camden for for progress wasn't too much of a problem, so it was always on a Sunday. It just means I had to give up my Sunday. That was all. But I just go up on the train. It's only two hours on the train, and then I'm back. Um, and when Marty was wrestling for progress, we used to travel together as well. So it's quite, it's quite a good fun really. Um, but ultimately because, well, because we knew that I was doing it for the qualification, um, and for the, and for the, and for the project, we knew that it was going to be worthwhile in the end. Um, I eventually passed the qualification and, you know, got, got the certificate and everything. But I mean, that just led on to more work because your name gets a bit more notice. I do a lot more speaking engagements now. Um, so I spoke in Las Vegas at the International Convention of Photographers this year, WPPI. Right. Cool. I've just been selected to speak there again next year. That would never have happened if I hadn't have shot this wrestler project. So is I've that got, mainly is that based on like showing your portfolio of work? What you've been doing wrestling related? <laughs> yeah, it's basically that, and then putting together seminars that you can give to other photographers that teach them about lighting and about posing and composition, storytelling, and all this kind of stuff. I did a two-hour presentation on portrait of a wrestler that I've taken sort of around the country to various photography associations, um, and it tells the story of how of how it came about and all the people that I've met. And, you know, uh, everything from, you know, doing, you know, cool, cool ringside shots to shots of Jimmy Havoc covered in blood and shocking, otherwise unshockable photographers with some of the work that we've put in together there. Uh, and also with those um, with those talks, I get to talk about Chris Travis, which is really important. Um, we we uh, whenever I do them, we tend to sort of like take all of the entry fees that photographers have paid and we donate everything to the Cavendish Cancer Care um, just because. Um, I was lucky enough to I was lucky enough to photograph Chris's last studio portrait um, before his last match with Marty, and uh, yeah, it's quite a special thing. And moments like that, and images like that, um, are the reason why photography is so important. Uh, it's because you're creating something that's utterly timeless, something that something that will last. Um, and that that series of portraits is really really special. Um, because it, it, it means something outside of wrestling. It, you know, it's something much more important than that. That makes sense. Sorry to bring yeah. it down. No, that makes sense. So, <laughs> I mean, I was say on that same kind of topic, but just like when it comes to working with those those kind of talents, like you say, like um, how much of your how much of your like the ideas you've had is like your ideas, their ideas. Who's been the most engaged in that? Because that's why your work stands out so much to me. Is because it, it's a different angle. It's not just wrestler stand here, look angry. Mm. <laughs> being yeah. creative of what you're using around them 
Yeah, the ones that are in, the ones that are most engaged with me are the ones that you'll see most on my profile. I've 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 worked so well with Jimmy. We did a calendar of of horror homages, homages to horror movies with Jimmy, and then we just for the current calendar last year, we just took him around London and took him to various film locations. It's like the church in the Omen, um, and the shop that Sean buys a Cornetto from in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> and we just basically spent a day in London, just catching Ubers and just travelling around to do these shots. And that's really cool. Keeps me on my toes. I've always worked well with Marty. Marty was the first person to come to me for video promo ideas. And you can still find them on YouTube. We did a trilogy of video promos with him and just tried to tell his story through his character. And anyone who's going to jump in the sea with an umbrella is good in my book. Yeah, that's, I mean, um, that's one of the best photos as well. I mean, it's ruined his suit, but it's an amazing <laughs> photo. It was a cheap suit. <laughs> No, it wasn't. It was no, it was obviously not. No, it's Ric Flair. It's a uh, five hundred dollar. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I mean, yeah. But we both always have similar. We always we understand each other in terms of our ideas. Um, Flash Morgan Webster is another one who came down to visit us, and we went. We took him around some vinyl shops um, course, around Portsmouth. Flash Morgan, with Flash, and then we took him down by the beach and made it look like Brighton. And just anyone who's willing to take that extra step with their character, because I see, like. I'm, I'll do trainee shoots a lot and I've told this story before, but like you'll, you'll shoot your first three trainees and you'll go, okay, so what's the character armor heel. Okay. What sort of heel armor cocky heel. Why are you cocky? Oh, cause I think I'm better than everyone. Okay. And then wrestler number two comes up armor heel. Okay. What sort of heel armor cocky heel. Okay. <laughs> and then like, it was stunning. Steve Austin It's like, what makes you so stunning? Right. You know, and I think it's a, it's a question that like, I think Glenn Joseph of progress once said to me, he said, when I'm working with someone on their character, the one of the first questions I'll ask them is what was your character doing when they were five years old? Cause immediately it gives that performer, you have to invent a backstory to get from five to the present day. So why have they become the way they are? Tell a story through from five through their adolescent years all the way through. One of the first people that really, really from a trainee shoot stood out to me was Spike Trevay. No, but it coincidentally comes from an acting background. But I asked him what character he was, and he just spoke at me for a minute about every about what school he went to. Um, all the little gimmicks, all the props that he bought, how they work with him, why he bought them along. He bought along his, his top pocket. He had a silver spoon. He said, yeah, because that's the one I was born with. I keep it on me. <laughs> you know? That's and cool. Had, I love that. Right? And that's that's character. That's going to get you noticed. That's going to get you booked in places. Because it's all those, it's, it's the three things, isn't it? It's look, um, technical ability, and character. And you need two of the three to be a star. All three of them, and you're you're a megastar sort of thing, and only a few people have actually got all three of them. Um, but so you have to accentuate the positives, you know, in terms of like what you can and can't bring to the table. But I love working with guys like that. I love working with guys that have got ideas and character. And in fact, we go back to Marty as well. Marty was one of the early adopters of the Steven Spielberg philosophy of you should be able to identify a character from its silhouette if it's strong enough. And he was talking at the time about E.T., Darth Vader and Jaws. Mm. You draw a silhouette of those characters, you know exactly who Yoda. You know exactly who you're talking yeah. about, okay? So he, he went with the villain with the Plague Doctor mask and the fur coat and the top hat and the umbrella. That's the villain. But the point is, he started off with a suit. Then he added the fur coat. Then he added the hat. Then he added the sunglasses. Then he added the umbrella. And then he added the Plague Doctor mask. So he's always, it wasn't like it all came at once. It was like, oh, I'm just going to do this now. Oh, I'm just going to add this on there now. 
Oh, the amount of second-hand thrift stores we had to go around in Portsmouth looking into these fur coats. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were completely unwashable. Um, but, yeah, no, so, I mean, yeah, so it's, it's, it's about taking that and always moving and changing, changing something about you so you're not staying the same um, and stagnating, you know, and that's what the best, that's what the absolute best performers do. John Cena did it. People don't realise it, but he did do it. Because every week or every month, every pay-per-view, he'd have a different colour T-shirt. Yeah. He, knew, he knew how to make his money on the merch there, didn't he, as well? <laughs> nah, seen as an, if it ain't right, don't fix it. But yeah. still changed it up. He still yeah. changed it. You know, so, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I mean, uh, Cena's great, by the way. I don't mean that as a knock on Cena. I saw Cena give an entire press conference in Mandarin, learnt Mandarin just to do the press conference. Yeah. He's a, he was the phenomenal company man unbelievably good for uh, from a business perspective unbelievably good figurehead for that company great guy uh, i think people can buy your photography right i mean they should what's it what, what's the instagram account what, what's it's all y2 it's all y2 jim bob letter y number two jim bob uh, so you can find me y2 jim bob on instagram and a twitter and otherwise yeah obviously portraitofarrestler.com you can find all the info there yeah. see, see your portfolio of work buy your prints buy it you've got like Jimmy Havoc book I believe there's a, there's a we've, we've dug out 10 that we didn't realise we had and they're all signed so you can get yourself a signed Jimmy Havoc book which is basically all of his years in progress that I was shooting there so it covers three years of his work in progress um, lots of backstage stuff lots of stuff in that book that hasn't been seen before lots of stuff I haven't released okay. there's a backstage cool. stuff basically that I take and don't release just because I, I know that has a, it will have a historical significance. Uh, and that's, that's another thing. Sorry to cut you off. But that's another thing about photography. One of WWE's highest rated clicks on their website is when they release like old photos that have never been before seen in the 80s and 90s and all that kind of stuff and all this thing that sort of happened. Everything's such video, so video based now, but you still can't recreate the impact of a single image. Yeah, you know. I I know I check that stuff out when you see the, all the classic stuff coming out. You do, you know, because it's all it's all the good stuff, you know. It's all yeah. the good stuff. I mean, I'd love to stay and chat about all your photography for a lot longer, but I know you've got to get on. You've got someone here. I mean, you're, someone's waiting for you to take photos of them. I I've got Herculio from Bullet Club coming to uh, bring his eight-foot frame into this studio and see if we can shoot him. But, yeah, we're doing some Herculio images now, which would be cool. It should be fun. Yeah. Are you, are you going to be are you out and about at much events are in the next few weeks? Are you going to be like there for taking photos? Uh, if this comes out in time, then I'll be at the Brighton uh, Riptide Wrestling Double Bill this Monday, Bank Holiday Monday. Oh, cool. Uh, which would be cool. Um, might be at a big wrestling event on the 31st of August that isn't in the UK. <laughs> but I can't confirm <laughs> or deny that at the moment. Um, that's a busy weekend. <laughs> that's the busy weekend it's the pick a side weekend i don't think it is the pick a side weekend at all i think it's the celebration with it's, it's, it's just a, a way weekend where how do you find time to watch all of it don't pick one of it you got these you got these welsh guys who who who, who are so ingrained in nxt uk who are having a super show in their capital city in their country i think that's just phenomenal honestly it's just i know how buzz they are for it i know how buzz they must be for it you got zach and will in London, killing it with the best, best talents in the world, um, and and you've got you've got Jimmy and Kip leading the charge for our boys over in Chicago. It's, a, it's you know? an amazing weekend, yeah. It's exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And I'll be there for David Starr taking an Osprey at York Hall. 
So Good for you. Give it a cheer. So, Can you two. imagine Rev Pro being run by Star? That's why I'm intrigued by where it's going. Be good, wouldn't it? If he was doing all the ring announcing, all the match planning. I'd like. It's such an old school booking logic. I love it. <laughs> brilliant. No, the best ideas are the simplest ones. Don't convolute stuff. Yeah. Make it easy. Just this. Look, Paul Heyman says that you just need someone that you really want to see win against someone you really want to see lose. Simple as that. Sometimes. That easy. Great. Thanks for your time today, my friend. Oh, sure. Maybe chat to you another time. All the best, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. Well, Fireflies, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Um, I thought I'd help everyone out here as well. We referred to a few wrestling events during that chat, and I thought it would be worth listing those for all of you, as there are some real bangers coming up that you can either attend live, or you'll be able to catch up on demand later. James said he will be at Riptide Wrestling. That is an event in Brighton, Riptide Popular company runs all their shows in Brighton. This one is a bank holiday wrestling show at the Brighton Open Air Theatre, where they are actually running two family-friendly shows, both in the afternoon and the evening, which also includes special VIP Dave Benson Phillips. Yes, that Dave Benson Phillips. Um, It's a great option. It should be a sunny day, right? It's a lovely weekend, so I suggest if you're in the Brighton area, you get down there and watch it if you can, or you can catch it up later on demand, because Riptide... It's worth checking them out, they have really high production values on their shows. Then, in my role as event organiser for Watch Wrestling London, Europe's largest meetup group for fans of professional wrestling, I am attending RevPro's Summer Sizzler with a good crowd of our members on Friday the 30th at York Hall in London. This show has some of the biggest names from New Japan appearing on it, including O'Freaking Carter, and is highlighted by Will Ospreay versus David Starr, in a company versus Rev Pro career match. Although, to give that full credit, we should probably announce this as the Aerial Assassin Will Ospreay versus the Cream in Your Coffee, your favourite wrestler's favourite wrestler, the Jewish Canon, the physical embodiment of charisma, the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the most entertaining man in professional wrestling, Mr. American Rana, Davey Wrestling, the 104 Minute Man, the main event, he's really good at Twitter, the king of taunts, the product, David Starr. Um, there are currently a handful of tickets left, I know it's less than 70, they might have all gone by now, so if you want to get in on that show you need to act quickly, or you can catch it up on demand later if you can't make it. We also talked about an upcoming Progress show and Mr. Star is continuing his amazing run following his win at Progress Super Strong Star where he won that tournament to earn the right to face the Progress champion Volta at Alexander Palace on Sunday, September 15th. This show is going to be the best way that you can spend a Sunday afternoon. 
Not only do we have that match, we also have top talent from NXT, Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. They're to face British Strong Style. There's even a Royal Rumble match, and it's a packed card. Uh, there are tickets still available for that one. So that just leaves me to say thanks once again to James for being on the show. Thanks to Nina Samuels for our intro that you will have heard very much at the top. And then our friends at the B Plus Players for the music this week. I played an instrumental version of their Ruby Riot approved song about, well, Ruby Riot during the intro. I'm going to leave you with the full version of this song from their album Yes, available on iTunes, Spotify and everywhere you would expect to find good music. But until next time, this is the Holy Shoot Podcast, signing off. Oh no, things are getting quiet. Time to start a Ruby Riot. Tear it down, stir it up in confusion. We're moving to the front of our own revolution. Riot kick bus, open your face. You're gonna need some Sally says you're so well up with love lace. Got a girl you know she's going up against the odds. You're gonna take other opponents with the riot squad. Oh no, things are getting quiet. Time to start a Ruby Riot. Gonna beat you, gonna punch your every orc. Gonna die tongue blue. Guess who left more guns? Cause Sarah Logan's face is flowing with Viking blood And she's a muscle of the tree, you know she's looking real scary Her name is Dobson, but they call her Crazy Mary